Welcome to Beans and Breakdowns, a podcast dedicated to bridging the gap between specialty coffee and the heavy music community. I'm so excited to be joined on this episode by Kim Song Sternkopf, vocalist of the Danish Black Gaze band Mull. So grab a fresh cup of coffee and wake the fuck up! Hey, Caffeinated Crew, I'm here with uh, Kim Song Sternkopf from, yes. Sternkopf from the band uh, Mull. They're based in Aarhus, uh, Denmark. That was a mouthful for me to say, so I'm just gonna <laughs> you go, do well. I'm just going to go ahead and say welcome, Kim. How are you doing this, this morning for me, afternoon for you? Yeah, yeah. I'm doing really great. Just went from uh, our rehearsal space to we went and tried to try to rehearse some of our upcoming album uh, for uh, our release shows. So that's what's in the works. We have a, I think we've booked <laughs> like at least five rehearsals from now until uh, the 28th, where we're, we're trying to f- fill out one of the big venues here in our hometown, Aarhus. That's awesome. And you guys are also, I saw that there's a cruise booked. Yes. Uh, it's with Live Nation or Copenhagen. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually played there uh, at one point, a uh, midnight slot. That was really amazing. Four, four and a half thousand people just uh, stayed up to to see us live. That was that was one of the the big experiences, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Um, so let's start things off. What are you drinking over there? I am drinking uh, a Kenyan uh, coffee. I think that's my preferred. Or at least uh, some of the acidities and and um, and the fruitiness of, of a lot of uh, Kenyan double uh, tri- uh, A. Uh, that's that's what I prefer. But for roasts, I I know well. I, I like light roasts. Yes, it, it it does a lot of great stuff to your mouth, especially when uh, and also for uh, for espressos as well. There's just something about yeah bringing out those fruitier notes. And yeah, fruity, nuttier, or sometimes I wouldn't say earthy, but but yeah, it, it has a yeah, the yeah. definitely like an organic, almost yeah. earthy, but stone fruit maybe mm-hmm. kind yeah. of notes. Uh, and this specific bean uh, is uh, I can't remember it quite right. I, I think it's a part. Well, I bought these beans from La Capra, and uh, that's that's a, a roastery slash cafe in Aarhus. And uh, I think they have a website as well uh, where you can order subscriptions and stuff like that. This is from Kiruga. Yeah, <laughs> it's called Long Mile Coffee Project. So th- I think this is the first uh, batch that they've they've brewed this particular roastery or a combined roastery and, and farm. Mm-hmm. And well, I think this is a favorite one of mine. If I should just choose anything uh, i just really really love the Ken- kenyan coffees uh, right. it has it just has a lot of yeah fruitiness and acidity going going for it uh, citrus notes is something that i've always been really fond of in in, in coffee and when i found that you could f- try to 
get some of those citrusy notes out of of coffee that just got me hooked like instantly. I'm drinking a a coffee from Onyx Coffee Labs, which is from Arkansas. It's the Ethiopia Damika Becha. It's a washed Ethiopian. Yeah. So just, you know, it's got all those great stone Uh, fruit, uh, berry notes. Um, Yeah, it's definitely, definitely really, really fruity, really floral. Mm -hmm. Um, Usually I would drink this in the afternoon, but I wanted to do something special for this interview. So Uh, I went ahead and and got a uh, washed Ethiopian. I don't know. Have you ever uh, interviewed James uh, Dorton from uh, Black Crown Initiate? Not yet. No. Yeah, you should really do that. Uh, he he and I when we when we went on tour with Rivers of Nile and uh, Black Crown Initiate, uh, we totally bonded on on coffee, on coffee stuff. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh, he has a bar- he does barista work um, mm-hmm. at, at home. So when we were on that tour, we just had our our daily activity. Uh, going from one European city to the other was today you're the one who is supposed to find that perfect cafe where we're gonna get that shot and then we that 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 just became our thing yeah <laughs> so uh and i I think I brought my uh aeropress uh on tour and uh yeah that that kind of uh uh we had one problem I didn't ha- bring a grinder. Oh. So we had we had to go find a grinder somewhere, and I ended up finding an an old antique, like a Hario re- or something? yeah, no 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 no, e- e- even older. Like yeah. two seconds, I'm just gonna show you. Nah, I I forgot it at work. Yeah, I forgot oh, you have it, it at work. work. Yeah, yeah, I forgot it at work. Well, it was a metal grinder, and it was like it, it could really do that uh, Turkish mocha fine grind, but it was so f- freaking heavy. Uh, so, well, I I bought it, and it was like this size, mm-hmm. but but it just it was so fucking heavy. Yeah. So we I think we found four bags of beans somewhere where. A coffee collective had some of their, mm-hmm. um, uh, I think it was Kearney. There was an, a, a, we got a bag of Kearney beans. And, uh, you know, when you're trying to find a backstage where you can find <laughs> some, pr- yeah, you know, find some proper water and a kettle <laughs> that's not totally infested with, uh, with, uh, lime uh calcium. Yeah. yeah, lime scaling as well. And, you know, it just became like a really obsessive project. And, pe- and the other, uh, Members from the bench were like, well, "What the fuck is going on here?" <laughs> yeah, but we're we're trying to brew, you know. We we <laughs> this is important. Yeah, it's very important. And when we when we finally got to brew it, uh, well, we had four of the other guys who were like, "Yeah, yeah, that's really good," and the others were like, "Yeah, just where are those beers? <laughs> yeah, where are those beers at?" There's always those guys. Yeah. <laughs> Getting more into like the the local Scandinavian coffee, especially uh-huh. um, around uh, Aarhus or or where you're at, is there a mm-hmm. local coffee shop and or roaster that yes. you gravitate towards? Most definitely. Uh, I don't know if you've heard about Sean Stiller. I have not. Okay, he um, he has something called Stiller Coffee. He used to have a, a bar called uh, Great Coffee, um, but now he just rebranded or he. he, he well, it's basically Søren Stiller Markusen. He's like, he has this roastery, and uh, I really like a lot of the um, his uh, tasting profiles. For at least he has a lot of, um, I think it's it's both uh, South um, 
South American and uh, Costa Rican coffees and stuff okay. like that. And uh, he's like seven ta- seven times like Danish coffee champion and three times world finalist. Uh, oh, wow. So he, he he's like uh, he knows his stuff. He's yeah. when you meet him, he's he's down in the shop. He's uh, as a Scandinavian, I I feel like he's always very friendly and greeting, but um really craft focused uh so wh- you don't you don't go down to a shop and try to you know um try to sound geeky because he really yeah <laughs> he knows <laughs> the stuff he's gonna trap you in something <laughs> yeah well uh you know just sticking to tasting and stuff like that mm-hmm. I, that's always the sure thing like yeah so when i buy beans for um uh, for espresso, uh, that's that's where I buy my bean at. Bean set. Um, it 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 looks like a, a laboratory when you <laughs> when you get in there. I don't know if you've been to Berlin ever. No, I've okay. never made it over. I've never made it past really France. Okay. So well, um, there's another similar uh, place in in Berlin. Uh, you know, with big roasters and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It just looks so, uh, so industrial. I, I, he has a whole bar down there in, in the city with, um, uh, what's it called? Siphon. Uh, oh, siphon okay. Yeah. 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 So it, it just looks like a lab. <laughs> uh, and I really like that vibe. Mm-hmm. You know, a cafe is also a lot of interior. So he, he focused on a lot of wood and metal. Mm-hmm. So going down there, you, you you go there for the coffee, and that's it. But if you go, if I go to Copenhagen, I I have to visit Coffee Collective. <laughs> I had Paul on, who runs a roastery in Oh yeah, really? Charlotte. Yeah, I didn't and know. Yeah, he runs. Uh, it's called Nightflyer Roastworks in Charlotte. Yeah. Yeah. So that's on my list to go visit. Um, but he's, when I asked him where his favorite coffee is, he said, basically coffee collective is just the greatest (laughs) coffee shop in the world. Yeah. So I'm, I'm definitely trying to plan some time to, to visit the Scandinavian area. And, you know, I definitely want to visit Copenhagen and Berlin and all of that and check out all of the amazing coffee because I follow a European coffee trip as well. Mm-mm. Oh yeah, me too. And yeah, and they're like, it just seems like the coffee culture, which I would, I mean, just talking to you for this mm. 10 minutes or so, it, I can tell the coffee culture is completely different. Uh, it's a lot more open and about education and um, like it's sustainability. And, and what you find out is there's just a lot of, you know, home enthusiasts who, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've been at a lot of, you know, coffee uh, bars down in, in the, in the city. And we have like a lot. And I know that everybody, you know, with, if they have respect for themselves, they do a lot of specialty coffee. I think that that's pretty exciting. Uh, I think the internet does a lot of, and James Hoffman as well. He, he does yeah, that's, a lot of, I, well. that's the V60 method I use is the yeah. Hoffman method. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to transition into the music side mm-hmm. of things now. Yeah, what sure. was your What was your introduction to metal music? Uh, well, that all started. They got me when I was young. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like I was. Uh, I grew up in a pretty uh, like uh, religious home, mm-hmm. and um, I think metal music was not exactly 
what my parents imagined that I would I would be delving into. But I think at I, yeah, I was five years old. I was uh, I had this great uh, or our family had this huge box of cassette tapes with all kinds of stories and and uh, children's songs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I used to sit in in our sofa and and listen to with my Sony Walkman listen to DuckTales and stuff like that. Yeah. And then uh there was this uh there was this exact there was this cassette cassette tape uh mixtape that was recorded a lot of children's songs uh on top of it and um and the final uh Three minutes of the tape had a little bit of uh, Metallica in it. Okay. So it was uh, a battery uh, and uh, it was just past the intro and into where things got. And remember, I just remember my brain exploding at that, at that point. I was totally caught off guard when I, when I found that tape or at least that part. And I didn't tell anyone, uh, it used to be my uncle's, uh, tape. Uh, and I know that he used to listen to, to Metallica. So that mu- must have been the, the subtle influence just seeping our way into our mm-hmm. religious home. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I, 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 I practically used that tape up like th- that, those three minutes I just right. kept, you know, rewinding it and listening to it again. So, and when I think when, uh, when I, when I got access to the local public library and you could, uh, uh, borrow CDs, Mm -hmm. my mother was, uh, I think she was somewhat worried because she just saw all these alternative punk and rock and stuff like, where does this come from? Um, (laughs) and, uh, yeah, that was just, uh, I think I went, yeah, I went to this librarian and, and, and asked him, uh, do you have any Christian heavy rock? Uh, and this, and this guy, uh, he, uh, he was like, yeah, I, I don't know. Well, I know, um, this is Sepultura. Max Carrera, he's actually a Catholic, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so he got me into Soulfy, and uh, then he was like, "Yeah, but Soulfy, that that was, you know, that was okay. But you gotta dig Sepultura." So he get he gave me Schizophrenia and uh, Roots and all all of oh, that man. stuff, and that was my way into. And, and I think I I know I was I'm just a huge just as huge nerd today, but. Mm-hmm. Me and that librarian, we, uh, you know, he was, he, he wore a tie and looked really nice, but he just had the most incredible taste in music. He just gave and, you a wide spectrum and then you kind of pick from there. Yeah. Like, uh, and it was not strictly metal as well. Like he, he was like, you know, there's so much alternative music that you can just, you know, go take a plunge, like, uh, go explore. Mm-hmm. So I remember when I went to boarding school, a lot of my friends went down to my room to get recommendations uh, of what to listen to because I always went to the, you know, I went to an, another city and then there was another public library and I just bought more CDs. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, so I think my 
my tastes kind of developed. You know, when you're uh, when you're a teenager, you sometimes tend to become kind of elitarian in some ways. I had um, some moments where I was like, I'm only listening to metal. Uh, I I, I went there. Uh, But at the same time, I had a lot of friends who really liked indie rock and um, Mm -hmm. and um, delving into the emo scene and screamo and stuff like that. So getting influences and not being afraid to, you know, get trapped in in the in the culture the subculture of it uh i think that curiosity um led me to where i am today yeah that's awesome that's like a super well-rounded <laughs> like uh musical journey i love that in in denmark the the music scene is kind of um you know because it's such a small country you uh in comparison to like the UK where we have toured uh, a mm-hmm. lot, um, the, the scene is just not that big in, in all, in Aarhus or in Denmark as a whole. So, so like you get to, when you do start performing and stuff like that, it wouldn't be uh, unheard of if, uh, a goth rock band played with a, uh, surf punk band or anything like that mm-hmm. uh or uh a, a, you know a grindcore band uh maybe warming up for a uh a symphonic death metal band or anything <laughs> like that i really like how uh for instance black metal or a more mm-hmm. alternative rock has made its way into a lot of you know how you combine genres today and right. what people are willing to go and explore and listen to um, so I see us as some of the, some of the bands that actually likes to, you know, push that envelope mm-hmm. and not get caught up in genre definitions, but you know, is it good? Is it not? Is it listenable? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The genre blending that you guys do in, in Mull is definitely original and refreshing at the same, like it, it's just. I, I love that like blackened gaze or black gaze is what I know a lot of people coin it, but it's definitely super original. And when you listen to it, it's like, I, I know that this is more like it has a super, super signature original sound. So, you know, I, I think it goes back to your roots in metal and, you know, being well-rounded in music, but obviously the outfit as a whole has to be that way as well. And well, that's, that's one of the reasons why I would, I, you know, I can really give Nikolai a lot of credit, our main songwriter. He, mm-hmm. he, um, he, he actually doesn't come from metal originally. Uh, he grew up on, uh, Sonic Youth and, mm-hmm. and Slow Dive and oh, I and, can hear uh, all of that. <laughs> a lot of noise, uh, mm-hmm. noise rock and a lot of, like, we, I think the common denominator for all of us is actually, uh, the Danish uh, indie band called Mew. Um, those guys are a huge inspiration to all of us, Mm -hmm. especially there's an album called Fringers that's just made a huge impact. And we have, uh, we have friends in another band called Vola and, uh, they, I know that they, they've also dug that sound, but in this, you know, they've, I know they have just uh, a more downtoned, uh, genty mm-hmm. vibe going on than than we do. 
but the inspirations is, uh, are clear. Um, so uh, I know that the melting pot, or at least the uh, the the significance of where we each of us comes from uh, musically um, makes a lot of uh, difference in how we approach songwriting. Talking more about kind of, you know, discovering musical tastes and things like that. How yeah. did you find your, your vocal tone? Like what were some of the influences and the process of doing that? Well, uh, I actually started in, in death metal. Uh, okay. That was, uh, where, where I started, uh, started out. I actually did mainly did, uh, growls, mm-hmm. uh, so screaming and the whole high register thing is something that that uh, has developed over time. Um, for some years, I also played in a hardcore band, and that also got me to to push the the limits of what I wanted to do with my voice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know one of my main inspirations uh, actually comes from another uh, Scandinavian band called Binia Reach. Um, their frontman Ilka um, was one of my hugest inspiration in back in 2000. I can't remember two, 2008, 2009, maybe two. Yeah. Well, they made an album where he, he, th- this guy, he just screamed tones like his vocalization right. was something that I was like, yeah, I'll, I want to do that. <laughs> uh, so I think uh, being f- knowing what to do with my voice and uh, slowly incorporating more song technique into uh, my uh, way of performing, mm-hmm. um, that has, uh, I think that's one of the things that have shaped me, uh, shaped my vocals at least. But my scene presence is something else. Um, you know, one of the things that I really uh, like when we started touring in the UK, we started touring with uh, Svalbard. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was our first uh, tour in the in the UK. That was with uh, with um, uh, yeah the former Holy Raw uh, band uh, Svalbard, and uh, they um, we did we did a run with them, and people weren't. I think they were expecting a more drowsy or at least, you know, typically shoegazy vibe. Right. Uh, but I come from hardcore. Yeah. I really like to be that emotional conductor of, if you see it, if you see our band, like visually, there's a wall of sound and a wall of people standing right there. And I get to be, uh, I think the voice or at least the, uh, the, putting a body to that expression. Right. Uh, so I know a lot of reviewers were kind of, uh, shocked how much I like to get up in people's faces. Um, but you know, I think it's that that's what makes, you know, our music, uh, or at least in a live setting more energetic and more approachable in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like how, uh, Nikolai writes songs that, you know, in post rock and in more introvert music, like post more rock, post metal, mm-hmm. uh, you, you, you tend to have a, 
you tend to spend at least five, six, eight minutes to get to the point. We just skip that. That's I love that. And you're right about the the stage presence was very unexpected. When I found a live video of you guys, I was like, this is not what I was expecting at all. <laughs> like there's a lot of this and a lot of, you know, hand motions and the yep. expression is, is all there. So it's just, you're right about that. It, it is unexpected. Um, the, the process of writing lyrics, does that come from yeah. you, Nikolai, a collaboration? Um, I, I mainly do that. Okay. Uh, I, I, I think uh, there was actually a previous vocalist before me, uh, Stefan. He did uh, um, EP one and two. Okay. Uh, so uh, you, you, that that's one of the reasons you might notice a, a, a big difference in, in vocalization. He was actually a pretty introverted guy, and mm-hmm. uh, he I think he fitted the depressive black vocal thing more than I did. Uh, I actually started, uh, I, I saw the band performing live um, in a venue where I worked as a concert photographer at the uh, at that time. And our pre- our our manager, Miesa Radonchika, he, he um, I was in another band that we were sharing like management. Uh, and he, uh, he actually was the guy who recommended uh, Mull uh, reaching out uh, to me when they uh, found out that it wouldn't work out with Stefan. Mm-hmm. And I spent a lot of time in the, in the beginning to uh, w- trying to, you know, become more introvert in my expression. Uh, it was so fucking hard. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, it, it just doesn't, um, I am actually, I think I am the, 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 the only extrovert or mainly extrovert uh, guy in Mull. Uh, and my stage performance kind of matches that. So in the, in the beginning, I was really unsure of how to, you know, how much can I dial myself back, uh, or at least my performance back in a way that's kind of suited for this style. But when I found out the, that the dramatic elements and the ambiance and the, um, uh, you know, the, how deep how quickly we go into the deep emotions, you know, you can put, you can put an expression to that. Right. Uh, so I was really caught up as a photographer taking photos of them live and, and seeing uh, the former frontman being this introverted guy and having that s- sense of, of sensibility and vulnerability. Mm-hmm. I like to incorporate that, but when I imagine a live set, I always see like a narrative, an emotional narrative. You can, you know, can, you can be very extrovert at one moment and then you can dial back into yourself and mm-hmm. being, I come, I, I did one and a half year at uh, theatrical arts. So I know what works in, in that, in that sense. Right. I, I ended up dropping out of that education at one point <laughs> because I had to choose between music and and theater so it kind of it, it kind of makes sense um in, in the emotional sense of you know performing as well yeah. when approaching the lyrics for yeah. the band the word choices and the phrasing are extremely i would feel like specific mm-hmm. and there's a lot of themes there that seem to kind of incorporate even into the newer uh ep in vestige what are some of the themes that you approach when writing for, for Moll? 
Um, well, it, 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 much of this actually derives from, from, well, I got offered the, uh, or at least started rehearsing with Müll when I went through a half year of uh, being burned out from, uh, from stress. Um, I was doing, you know, I was doing, uh, trying to do freelancer as a photographer and do my education as well as a social worker and, and play in another band as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, my body just said stop at that moment. And, and, uh, the opportunity came to, you know, you know, do something about like half I had, I had six months to find out, find my, my footing again. And, um, when I started out, uh, rehearsing with, uh, Mull and writing with them, um, I was actually burned out. So it comes from that place. Um, I went through, a, I think a, an existence an existential like crisis at that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, at that time I couldn't talk that much about it, but your was actually, it was very much about mortality and mm-hmm. making, uh, uh, you know, uh, reconciling the, the idea that I might not be uh, right about how I saw, saw life at that moment. I actually right. kind of, I lost my faith, uh, during that period and, uh, had to kind of find my way of, you know, dealing with that. I actually end up in the earth at one point and I can't do anything about it. Um, and maybe there might not be that afterlife that I've got, you know, taught uh, as a kid. Right. Um, so, uh, so your, which means earth mm-hmm. is actually pretty much about that. Right. Um, and uh, diorama is kind of like, uh, if, if, if that was about ex- this existentialism and knowing, you know, what's, what's in, what's in store for, you know, we live so such short lives, what to do with all of that. We all mm-hmm. want to make some kind of, uh, sig- be significant to somebody. Right. Uh, but accepting that, you know, you, we are five minutes from, from midnight, um, our species is, is that, that is, that was really, f- I think it shook my world and, um, and getting a band where, or at least getting into, um, working with people who are like, uh, as open-minded about that mm-hmm. um, and could handle the kind of vulnerability that I was going through at that, uh, at that time. Um, that in my opinion was really, or at least I, it, when I can see it in retrospective, it was really healthy for me mm-hmm. um, to get to question a lot of things. So the, the upcoming album, Diorama is actually if 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 your was about existentialism this is more about um uh, introversion i think it's you know so if we if there is no god if there's no if if i've lost my faith you know what do we end up with right we end up with each other we end up with uh you know who we are surrounded with we end up with the family that we grew up in Mm -hmm. we end up with people that you know 
you you didn't choose to be with, but you end up uh, for better or for worse uh, spending time uh, mm-hmm. with them. Uh, so Diorama uh, has its. I, I am also really inspired by movies uh, and um, the idea of using Diorama as uh, as a theme actually came from Ari Aster's work in Hereditary. Okay. Um, have you seen the movie? I have, yeah. 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 So uh, the main protagonist, uh, she uh, she really has a fucked up sense of dealing with her trauma. Yes. Uh, so she creates these dioramas, these 3D representations of, of her most vulnerable moments mm-hmm. and carefully just uh, recreates and... and uh, analyzes uh, trauma, trauma that she's you know been through, and also when she's going through it, like she just gets lost in that. Right. Um, and um, I think that was it was such a powerful image in some way when I uh, saw that movie uh, getting caught up in in something you know from your past that kind of keeps you locked in this place right. without. You know, she could have the opportunity to move forward from it, but she, it actually ended up encapsulating in her and keeping her in that in that uh, state of dismay, mm-hmm. um, and keeping her whole family in right. that in that in that in that state. So, I think I see a lot of references to my own life and a religious upbringing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that. I've taken a lot of the subjects or, you know, incidents in my uh, life of experiencing, you know, past traumas or manipulation, stuff like that. Right. Um, And uh, really gotten to, you know, take a closer look at, uh, you know, some of those moments, but also trying to see how do we get past it? How do we, do I get from confrontation to, to uh, you know, working through this, those emotional states stages until a point where you can kind of kind of some find some kind of um, what's the word closure? Yeah, uh, I don't know if there's any closure in this life, but you know, yeah, right. uh, at least uh, in your mind, you can kind of uh, uh, you know take some parts of your life and say like, you know, I can't do anything about that. This is not something that I have control over, uh, but I can choose how to uh, view it and mm-hmm. I can choose how to act. Uh, I don't have to follow the pattern that uh, that I followed until this point. So that's basically some of the, uh, at least some of the themes that I've gone through. It's re- really about a, a lot of uh, retrospection and, and dealing with a, a lot of, yeah, trauma in, in my life to kind of get, I don't know if you can get over stuff, but at least you can reconcile yourself with a mm. part of yourself uh, and start, instead of trying to, you know, run from it. I, I'm not running from having, you know, the parents that I have and, or the upbringing that I have, or have met people uh, that I have, it, right. it's a part of the whole package. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, definitely about coming to terms with the parts that you can't change. Exactly. 
Well, thanks so much for being vulnerable and and transparent and sharing your story with me this morning. Uh, I've really enjoyed our conversation together. I just have one last question before we uh, close this out this morning. Yeah. What is your favorite city for beans and breakdowns? Yeah. Okay. Berlin. Is there a specific like area? Cause I have friends that told me that there's an area where there's like two venues in this record mm-hmm. store and stuff like that. Yeah. Like near Kasha in Berlin. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of great coffee spots as well. And there's um, uh, this one. Uh, yeah. Concierge Coffee. At Paulinka Ufa uh, Strasse, I think. Um, yeah, Concierge, that's the place to go. Um, and uh, there's another uh, another coffee shop called Ben Rahim um, that also has uh, some pretty good specialty coffee as well. And it's not that far from uh, from Kashapaya and a lot of uh, and like. Uh, it might be a, a bit punk rock the uh, or with a lot of graffiti and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. I really like that urban setting that that's going on, uh, especially in that part of, of Berlin. Um, so yeah, that's my. Uh, I think Berlin is is a pretty good pick. I hear a lot about that that kind of area, the industrial kind of graffiti mm-hmm. area that a lot of people love. That that um, I, yeah, it's still not quite gentrified and stuff like that. So that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, Kim, okay. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast on a Saturday after your, your practice and everything. Um, you know, I've really enjoyed this chat we've had, um, you know, take care of the rest of your day. Uh, have a great rest of your Saturday. And I look forward to hearing the new album coming out November 5th. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beans and Breakdowns. I want to say a huge thank you to Kim for coming on the podcast and hanging out with me, talking about coffee and, of course, about Mull. You can follow Mull on Instagram at MullDK or find them on Bandcamp at molldk.bandcamp.com. And make sure to check out Diorama, the new full length from Mold, coming out on Nuclear Blast on November 5th. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. You can also follow us on Instagram at Beans and Breakdowns and keep track of us on the web at beansandbreakdowns.com. Until next week, stay caffeinated and wake the fuck up.